this is going to be kind of different and if i seem distracted at all this morning while while we're kind of going through all of this teaching it's because i'm trying to kind of keep an eye on how everything's working here i've got i've got the stream pulled up over here on my phone so that i can double check and make sure everything is working i'm trying to do the powerpoint none of this is to make an excuse none of this at all is to make an excuse it's really just so if you're like why isn't he holding an analog bible today well it's because i've got it up here on my screen so that i can kind of navigate all of these different things in different places in different ways at different times so uh, i just hope you'll kind of bear with me this morning as we kind of go through all of all of this together um you know but i think this effort that we're going to try to make to get us all together i think it's worth it because so much about what we talked so much of what we talked about last week um, was that Jesus really wanted to be with us. When we asked, why did Jesus come as a human? I and mean, I think part of it was because he wanted to relate to us. He wanted to connect to us, those kinds of things. And I think just that we could be, even if we don't see each other, but just to know, maybe you're seeing each other in chat. I see some of you talking to each other, that sort of thing. I think that's, I think that's great. Uh, and I think any opportunity for us to be as the church connected and together, I think that's going to be, you know, really... Uh, powerful and important um, and, and and again just kind of give us a little bit of a sense of normalcy something maybe we haven't gotten to experience uh, over the last few weeks as we've been trying to find different ways to connect that we never thought we'd have to lean on before so you know I'm just really thankful that um, this technology is available to us that we're able to kind of do this thing that we're able to kind of approach it this way uh, and I hope that um, that we can kind of continue to connect and be the church this week. Because this is a big week for us as the church. This is Passion Week. This is the week that we remember what Jesus' great sacrifice was for us when he, when he went to the cross for us. This is the week that we remember those things. The, to, today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that he triumphantly rode, rode in to town and all the disciples were thinking, you know, hey, this is great. Jesus is really going to, you know, take over now he's going to be the king we're in great shape now nothing to worry about we're all fine here we're fine uh and what we've seen uh what we know is that that all changed very quickly and and a lot of things continued uh to get worse and worse for jesus and worse and worse for the disciples and they you know, they didn't understand it at the time but but this was the plan all along so this week we are going to continue to talk about jesus because i think that is still the most important thing that we can do. Uh, be ready as the church to talk about Jesus. Uh, and last week we, we started with, with just a nice long chapter reminding us to preach the gospel to ourselves. But this week, um, just we're going to read a passage just about Jesus, about the promise of Jesus. If, you've, if you have been coming on Sunday nights with us when we were able to meet together, we've been reading through uh, the book of Isaiah. And so I'm going to just read a section from uh, Isaiah chapter 53, uh, talking about the coming Jesus. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet 
He opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Um, let's just go ahead and pray uh, real quick. Um, just that, that God would be preparing our hearts for uh, whatever it is he has for us as we talk about Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Uh, so God, I just pray again that you would be uh, filling us with your Holy Spirit um, where two or more are gathered, but we may not be physically together, but, but we're all here together. Uh, and God, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear about Jesus and understand um, why it was that, that this version of Jesus that we just read about, this suffering servant, uh, why this was the answer. Um, and so I just pray, God, that you would soften our hearts, prepare us to be changed in whatever way we need to, maybe change our understanding or change our attitude toward Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would glorify yourself during this time. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, so last week we asked the question, why did Jesus come as a human. And I'm just going to kind of quickly review these things because I think some of these themes are still going to be important to us this week. So first, Jesus had to be fully man so that he could fulfill the promises of God because God said he's going to come as a man. So if, if God said it, that was the way it had to be. Secondly, Jesus had to be fully man so that he could relate to us, so that he could experience things in the same way that we do. Uh, third, we said that Jesus had to be fully man so that he could resolve sin. We're going to talk a lot more about that today. Uh, and finally, we said Jesus became a man because he loves us. And I think that, that was such an important thing for us to remember is that he wanted to be like us because he loves us. It's so easy to get into, especially for me, to just kind of get into the theology of everything and talk about, you know, Here's this kind of nerdy reason why things had to work out just this way or serve out, you know, all of these things. But, but really deep down, it's not just a technical kind of thing. It's not a theological kind of thing. It's a love thing. Jesus loves us. And so he wanted to um, come and be with us because we were his creation. We, we bear his image. And so uh, he came and joined us here because uh, he, he loved us and he wanted to be with us. Uh, but this week, we're going to appropriately, again, Passion Week, we're going to ask the question, why did Jesus have to die? Uh, because, I, again, I think this is a, a topic, this is a thought, this is a thing that people are thinking about a lot right now. Uh, you, you cannot avoid it. Uh, every channel, every tweet, uh, every Facebook post is either referencing uh, the global pandemic that we're kind of experiencing right now um, or crying out in favor of or against some leader who's speaking at the moment, making decisions, whoever it happens to be, um, or you're just trying to intentionally ignore and find some sort of levity 
or some sort of distance from all of the things that everyone else is posting on the internet right now. But this idea uh, of death, this, this, the, the, our, our own mortality is something that uh, maybe not consciously, always in the front of our mind, but it's always uh, something that is, is present in our lives. Um, I said I didn't have any stories about, about Ellie this week, but I mean, we've been learning to, she's been learning to ride her bike without training wheels. I mean, she picked it up pretty quickly, but um, you start thinking a whole lot more about mortality uh, when you see your kid just zooming down a hill and she's so far ahead of you that she can't even hear you anymore and you just hope she sees the car that's coming and you're, and you're really challenged in a whole new way that you maybe hadn't experienced before. Um, so we think about these things, these kinds of fears of death are, are always around us all the time. And, and, and typically all we think of is death is bad, bad, bad. It's very bad. We don't like death. We're afraid of death. And in general, this is true. Um, we wouldn't have died if it hadn't been for sin. Like God had created this perfect place for us to exist with him forever. Uh, and then we broke it with sin. Um, so now we're, we're filled with fear or we're filled, filled with the motivation to prevent death um, at all cost. Uh, so why, and this is why we have this question today. So why would God, who is good and perfect, allow or even desire that his own son die? It seems like, uh, I guess, a contradiction um, and a puzzling one that the world looks at us and says, your religion is built around a God who killed his own son. Why are we so content to not only exist in a place where we talk about the death of Christ, but we're thankful for the death of Christ? We, we sing songs about the death of Christ and what it means. Um, and that's why we need to have this conversation, I think, uh, so that we know why this had to happen. And so uh, let's talk about it. Why did Jesus have to die? Uh, first thing, this is going to sound very familiar uh, to some of the things we said last week. Jesus had to die to fulfill the will of God. Uh, we, we just read this a few minutes ago, but Isaiah 53.10 said, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And I think what it's trying to say there is that, that God, this was God's will. We, we talk about this all the time. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is at work in everything that is happening. And so it would be foolish of us to say, but not the death of his son. God wasn't sovereign over that. God wasn't consciously aware of what he was doing in that and that he was actively desiring that that take place. And that sounds odd, but, but if we're going to say that we have this God who's bigger than everything, he's got to be over everything. Um, and, and I think Jesus understood that. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, and this is a hard concept for us many times. Um, but, but, but all of everything happens because, because God desires it. And Jesus understood that. And so he was, he was pleased that he could please his father in this way by being obedient. And we talked about this last week, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because um, everything happens because God desires it. And this includes death. Um, and it includes that death be the consequence for our sin. 
um, and that Jesus be sent to die. Uh, we've been we've been reading the Bible together over the last week. We started a new chronological uh, reading of the Bible um, as a church, and it it reminds me of Job a little bit in that Job, as much as he's being tortured, at least where we are right now, uh, you know, up to this point, Job continues to just be positive and saying. God is doing something. God knows what he's doing, even though this is bad for me, even though I am saddened, even though I'm in pain. Uh, we continue to see that God is sovereign, and Job continues to kind of hold on to that truth. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to sometimes articulate that uh, and be prepared to talk about that with a world that doesn't know Jesus or that is not in a place where they're ready to accept the idea that, that God would willingly send his son to die. Um, but, but as we're going to see, it's important that he didn't. It's, it was necessary that that be what happened. But uh, I just want us as the church to not think of this as something that, that happened and had to, and it, was un, and, and, and it was unfortunate. And yes, it was unfortunate, but at the same time, because Jesus was fulfilling the will of God, it pleased him and it pleased God to have his will accomplished. And that's, a hard, again, that is a hard concept for us as the church. But, but the first thing that I want us to realize about why Jesus had to die is that he had to die to fulfill the will of God. Because more than anything else, if, if there's nothing else that we take home this week, I want us to understand this idea that, that God is sovereign and his will is what is happening so when you're looking around and you're confused and you're like, why is everything happening? Well, everything's happening because God wants it to. But that again means that God is still in control and God is still sovereign and God is still working something out through the things that he's doing, even if we don't always understand it. So, so that, that's kind of, that's thought one. Jesus had to die to fulfill the will of God. Uh, the second point, Jesus had to die because sin requires blood for atonement. And this is I'm so glad that that Nick picked There is a Fountain because, I mean, there's a, that is a graphic song when you think about it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Jesus' veins. Uh, this idea that, that blood means something. Um, and this has always been the way that God viewed um, blood and life uh, within us. Uh, Leviticus 17.11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So what, what, what the author of Leviticus is saying here and what God is trying to communicate to us here is that, that, that the thing that represents our life, our blood, that, that, that life the, that is the cost. Death is the cost. Losing blood. Blood, death, sacrifice is the thing that God is requiring to be made right, to, to overcome the broken relationship that we have with God because of the presence of sin in our lives. And, and this is kind of echoed in Genesis chapter 3. We were in Genesis chapter 3 last week, but in, in verse 21, and this is immediately after the fall. This is immediately after God issues the curses on the world, and this is immediately after he promises that he's going to do something about it. He's going to fix the sin problem. He says this, And the Lord God made for Adam 
and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The very first thing that God did uh, after sin entered the world was he covered their nakedness. He, 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 he encouraged them by saying, I'm going to cover this up, but it, at the cost of life. Because an animal had to die so that he could cover them with the skins of the animal. So the first animal death happened right in front of them. The first, the first tangible result of what it was that they were now facing, the reality of what sin looked like, um, was, was right in front of them. So death became a requirement as a result of sin. And so that leads us to this kind of natural question. But, but Jesus had no sin, so why would Jesus have to die? And, and, this, and, and again, this is, this is the most um, encouraging point for us as the church. Jesus had to die because only his perfect sacrifice could overcome sin completely. First uh, Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Uh, and, and just like we said last week, Jesus had to be fully human to fix what humanity had broken. Because, it, because sin entered through a man, it had to be fixed because of a man. Um, but, but his death was meant to replace our death. Because, because our death is what was required uh, because of our sin. Only a perfect sacrifice, that, that, that blood being shed on our behalf, could actually fix anything that we were facing. So perfect humanity had to... Uh, imperfect humanity had to be fixed by a perfect sacrifice. And, and only Jesus could be that because only Jesus was human and perfect. Only Jesus had no sin. And so just as Adam sin entered and we had to die because of that, that death could only be overcome by the death of somebody who was um, himself perfect. Uh, so let's go ahead and keep going. In First Peter Chapter 2, 21 through 24. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And this idea that, that he did this willingly, obediently to the Father, and did so without sin. He, he, he willfully put himself through all of these things. Romans 3, 25 and 26. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
And, and he uses that word in their propitiation, which is one of those big church words that I know sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't. But the idea of propitiation is, is and I, I looked up the definition just so we have it right here. Propitiation is the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone. So this is, this is Jesus' death made us, again, in good standing with God. And only he could accomplish this because he was himself God. He was himself able to uh, accomplish this because he was perfect. He was perfectly human. He was perfectly um, able to accomplish these things. And then this is, again, one of my favorite, one of my favorite chapters, 2 Corinthians 5. This is where CRC gets its name. You should go read the whole thing sometime. But 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the whole point, is that we are made right with God because Jesus' death was able to perfectly accomplish what we cannot earn on our own. We cannot demonstrate enough faithfulness. We cannot demonstrate enough holiness to earn God's favor. Jesus is the one who, who earned that favor on our behalf. He is the one who was able to perfectly live that life and accept that sacrifice so that we could be made right with God. So Jesus had to die because only his perfect sacrifice could overcome sin completely. Third point, I think. I didn't put numbers on these. Jesus had to die because his physical death leads to our, leads to our spiritual death. And what I mean, I don't mean us dying spiritually. I mean, we have to die in a metaphorical sense. We are not exempt from the dying part that we are owed, but instead we now die to our old self so that we can be, we can be made alive with him. I don't want to get too heavily into resurrection stuff because that's next week. But, uh, if, if we've, but Romans 6, 5 and 6 says, For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Romans 7, 5 and 6. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And so, and so what, what he's saying here is we don't physically die anymore to be made right with God. We're going to die. That, that, that happens. We're still human. Still, we're still fallen. We're still broken. All of those things. But but to be made right with God, we're not exempt from dying, but now the old self within us, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the sacrifice of Jesus, we die to ourselves. Like, like the, the old set of desires dies within us and we're given a new set of desires, a new heart, a new hope that we, that we revel in, that we, we are excited in, that we're passionate about because now we know Jesus because what, of what he's done. He's made a way for us to be part of him part of his family, added to his family, and, and that old self, all those things that we've desired in the past, whether it was some sort of greedy gain, dishonest gain, whether it was some sort of 
addiction that we had before. We die to those things. Those things die within us because of the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. Um, one of my favorite movies, and if you thought you were going to get away without a movie reference, sorry. One of my favorite movies of all time is, is Inception. And this isn't, this isn't the this isn't necessarily a perfect metaphor, but, but one of the big concepts that the characters struggle through throughout the whole movie is figuring out whether or not they're asleep, they're awake, but the only way to get up certain layers sometimes is to die. To, to actually wake up within that is to die. And I think it's a beautiful metaphor for what Jesus is saying here, that, that, that death is the escape. That's, what, that's the line of the movie, death is the only escape. But spiritually speaking, this is kind of the case. The only way that we can become more like Christ is to die to ourselves, right? To, to, to let everything that we've been holding on to within us, everything that motivates, everything that drives us, we, we die to that. And we have new understanding, new passion, new hope, new life. So Jesus had to die because, because his physical death leads to our ability to die to our old self, die to that old set of desires and, and, and be awakened to new life which we'll talk a bit more about next week. Um, last thing, Jesus had to die because he loves us. And I just saw that there's a typo in this PowerPoint, and I apologize. But you know what? I can fix it. Watch this. Jesus had to die because he loves us. Um, and that's the same answer as last week, because, because he wanted to be here with us because he loves us, he wanted to die for us because he loves us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, because he wanted to give that to us. Ephesians 5, 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He did these things for us, because he loves us. And, you know, I don't know where you are. I don't know what your experience has been like over the last few weeks. You may be sitting by yourself all alone, um, physically speaking. But uh, whether you're at home with your family, whether you're sitting by yourself, whether you're separated from uh, all your friends, whatever it may be, um, Jesus came to be with us because he loves us. Jesus died for us because he loves us. And, and right now, we may be easily um, sent toward despair because uh, we aren't feeling or experiencing all the things that we're used to feeling or experiencing. Um, but I just want to remind you that, that Christ gave himself up for us because of his love for us. And, and that love does not end. That love does not change. He still loves us. He still continues to desire to be with us, and his death makes it possible for us to be added together to his family, to be sons and daughters of God, to be deeply connected with him. Um, and so I just want to encourage all of us to remember the love of Christ and what it is that his uh, sacrifice means for us. That means that we can be made right with God and that we can be added to his family and that he does love us in all of these ways. Um, if you want to keep studying a little bit more about this, I was helped this week after I'd been prepping. I found this book right after. And I was like, man, I should have just started right here because John Piper wrote a book called 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Uh, so if you want 
uh, to, to continue studying this a little bit more, this book is free on the Desiring God website. Um, if you go look it up, there is a free PDF download. There are 50 reasons. They are two pages each. So it's super easy if you want to just read some of those uh, off and on throughout uh, the upcoming weeks. You can continue to look through that. Uh, I found it to be uh, very helpful and encouraging, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, if you're interested in that, I would, I would heavily encourage you to, to go check that out. Download it at some point if you get a chance. Uh, go ahead and read that. But again, just to kind of remind us all, Jesus came because his, he knew his sacrifice would please God because it was the will of God, because this was the way that God designed that we be added together as the church. Um, Jesus came because he loves us. Jesus came because he wanted to make us right with God. Um, and so for some of us, that's a great encouragement because we know that to be true of Jesus. We know that to be true of our lives. We know that to be true because we have died to ourselves and we have understood that, that our old passions and our old desires are gone. But that may not be true for everybody who hears this. And if that's you, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and Jesus desires to, to be with you. And he, he's gone to great lengths so that he could be with you. And so uh, as I pray, I just want to pray for uh, us as the church to be encouraged by this, but I want to pray for uh, those who may not know Jesus um, to be encouraged by uh, this truth and maybe find hope in this truth even for the first time. So let's go ahead and pray. God, uh, I thank you for your son and his great sacrifice for us. And I just pray that um, you would take these truths and, and plant them firmly in our hearts that we might um, be encouraged knowing just how deeply your love is, goes for us and how um, complete your sacrifice was on our behalf. And I just pray, God, that you would strengthen us during confusing times when we don't know what's coming next, um, but more so just in life in general, that that everything that we maybe once were driven by uh, would go away and our great passion would be for um, just glorifying you because of what the death of your son made possible. And God, this time of year is a great time of year to remind ourselves of this truth that we, we know and hold so dear to. So God, I just pray that um, you would strengthen us and give us the words and the the confidence to be willing to talk about the great lengths that your son went to on our behalf and, and be able to shout out loud to a world um, that maybe doesn't know that kind of love, what kind of love it is that we've experienced. And, and God, for, for those who don't know you, who haven't experienced this love, I pray that you would um, open their eyes to see this truth and, and, and give them a heart that desires these things, um, cause them to die to themselves in that kind of deep, meaningful, impactful way uh, that changes them and adds them to the family of God so that they can experience the love of Christ um, in this way. And God, I just pray that, again, we as the church would just bring such glory to you because of what it is that uh, you have done um, and the great things that you have accomplished through this great work. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen.